Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. everyone, it's Dr. Paula McDonald with Exhale Bible Discovery, and today we are in John chapter 18, so open your Bibles and join me. Last episode, we were in this beautiful chapter 17, where we just heard Jesus's heartfelt and final prayer, and this week, we are going to dissect the arrest of Jesus. And so I wanted to go over the overview of his arrest, because in order to fully understand the arrest and trial of Jesus, we've got to take a first look into the historical trial process of those times. Courts of law then and now follow very specific protocols set up to ensure those who are being tried are being provided with a fair trial. So Jewish Law 101, I'm kind of breaking this down a bit. It was very specific that no conviction for capital offense based on less than two witnesses. Both of the witnesses had to have the exact testimonies. Next, the accused had the right to receive counsel. The accused could not testify against himself. The burden of proof is required by the accuser. Circumstantial evidence was not admissible and must have hard evidence. Hearsay was not allowed. The accused is required to be tried in public during daylight. Evidence could only be used when the accused was present. Witnesses required to uphold the commandment, thou shall not bear false witness. That was held very near and dear to the people. The Sanhedrin was equivalent to a Jewish Supreme Court. There are 70 members, a high priest, and a chamber of 23 chief priests, 23 scribes, and 23 elders. The Sanhedrin acted as both jurors and judge. In trial procedures, there was a preliminary hearing a case heard, and then a vote was conducted in private. The verdict could not be declared on the day of the decision. A second vote took place after all had careful consideration. The defendant was still considered innocent during this time period. Conspiracy was highly illegal, and conspiracy was deemed if there was an overwhelming vote by all of guilty, because then it looked like people had been talking to one another and making sure that they would vote the way they wanted them to. So we're going to break this down into three parts. First, Jesus's arrest, and that's verses 18, 1 through 14, and then it jumps again down to 19 through 24. And then our second part, we're going to look at Jesus's him being abandoned. 
and that's 15 through 18, and 25 through 27. And then our third and final part is Jesus being accused, and that's 19 through 24, and 28 through 40. So I hope you can get your notes out and stay with me because this is really important stuff, and it's important to understand the basis of Jewish law. So I gave you those main points, which hopefully will help you understand what happened to Jesus and how awful it really was. So in our first part, Jesus's arrest, if you look directly in verse 1 of 18, right after Jesus prayed, it says he left with the disciples crossing the Kidron Valley, and there was a garden that they went into. Matthew 26.36 and Mark 14.32 identify the garden as Gethsemane. Luke 22.39 refers to this place as the Mount of Olives. Gethsemane in Aramaic is Gath-Shemani, meaning oil press. So there's lots of olive oil trees there, or olive trees. Okay, so now let's take apart and dissect Jesus's arrest. And there were eight illegalities associated with how Jesus was arrested. So the first illegality, in verse 3, it says they came carrying torches and lanterns. Therefore, it was night and in violation of the law to arrest Jesus at night at the hands of the accusers and by an obvious conspirator, Judas Iscariot. Under Sanhedrin law, required Jesus to have been arraigned and have his charges read to him. And we know that didn't happen. The second illegality is there was no lawful warrant issued for Jesus's arrest. The third illegality, false witnesses were found. Mark fourteen fifty-seven through 59, the scripture tells us that the witnesses did not agree on their accounts. Thus, their testimony should have had zero bearing. The fourth illegality. In Matthew 26.62, the chief priest challenged Jesus for not answering after the witnesses falsely accused him. The role of the chief priest was to defend Jesus according to their law. The fifth illegality. The priests asked Jesus again if he was the Son of God, and Jesus said, You have said it. Caiaphas then says to the court that Jesus had spoken blasphemously toward God, and the others then claimed that Jesus was guilty of death. They basically had illegally tried and judged Jesus right then and there. The sixth illegality. The judges all voted to condemn Jesus unanimously, and this was prohibited according to the Jewish law. It did appear to be a conspiracy. The seventh illegality. Jewish law required stoning to death for a capital offense. When they called to crucify Jesus, this was a death penalty of the Greeks and the Roman system. Stoning was for the death used for blasphemy for the Jews. The eighth illegality. The next morning, Jesus was taken to Pilate at the Sanhedrin, 
which the Sanhedrin only had the authority to bring an accusation before a Roman magistrate or military governor. Pilate had the duty to properly review the entire case. And he did ask what accusation that they had against Jesus. And he did not ask, what have you convicted this man of doing? He then says, if Jesus weren't guilty, he wouldn't have been there. Basically, Pilate circumvented the law and washed his hands of Jesus, thereby denying him a fair trial. The priests exclaimed that they could not put a man to death. Then they claimed treason against Caesar so that they could put Jesus to death. Pilate questions Jesus if he were a king. Jesus replies with him that he is not of this world, and then goes on to say that everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate asks, what is truth? And Jesus remains silent. He was being accused by liars. And Pilate then declares he finds no fault in Jesus. The ninth illegality. Jesus is taken to Herod, where they charge him with treason. Jesus refuses to answer to Herod, which was his right. Herod and his men mocked Jesus and says he is not guilty, but will chastise him. Now, both Pilate and Herod have said Jesus was not guilty. The tenth illegality. Pilate claims this man is innocent, but you may put him to death if you wish. Pilate is threatened that he would be going against Caesar if he let Jesus go. And he allows the people to make the call so that his hands would be clean of the incident. And we know the sad outcry was then to crucify Jesus. So back to John 18.6, where they fell back when they heard Jesus answer that he was the man they were there to arrest. Jesus answered with, I am he. Most believe they reacted this way because they knew inexplicably that they were now in the presence of God. Peter then whips out his sword and cuts off a soldier's ear, and then we know Jesus performs his final miracle by healing the ear. So, wow, a lot of missteps there. A lot of people don't stop to really look at how wrong this was. Next, in the second division, we're talking about Jesus being abandoned. And this is verses 15 through 18, 25 through 27. And so I want to talk a bit about Peter. We've learned a bit about him as we have studied this book of John. We know he is passionate about Jesus and has been a loyal follower and disciple. Why then did he abandon Christ? at this most critical, important place in history. Well, let's look at the humanity of Peter. And as we work to understand his actions, we must remember that Peter, much like ourselves, is a mere human with weaknesses and flaws. And before we judge him too harshly, we need to remember the grace that we all receive from Jesus, even when we gravely disappoint him. So we all know the pride of Peter, because just prior to his denials, 
Peter boldly steps forth in front of the mob, whips out his sword, and cuts off the ear of the guard named Malchus. And we've seen Peter's bravado before throughout this book. And as we look at some of the known facts about Peter, it's easy to see how he might have to deal with some human pride. So here are the facts that we know about Peter. He was one of the first disciples called by Jesus. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which meant rock. His previous trade was that as a fisherman. He was impetuous and outspoken, often to his detriment. He witnessed many of Jesus' miracles. He boldly confesses the deity of Christ. He got out of the boat to meet Jesus on the water. And Jesus tells Peter that on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus tells Peter that this rock that he built his church on, and that most likely stuck with Peter going, wow, I'm that rock. Also, Peter moved from a disciple, a follower, to an apostle and a leader. He witnessed the transfiguration of Christ. And he was the first to preach on the day of Pentecost. Peter boldly proclaimed the gospel until his death. And he was believed to live 65 years. And his last 33 years was completely committed to Christ. He chose to be crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to be crucified in the same way that his Lord Jesus Christ had received. So next, let's look at the fear of Peter. Remember, this was the dead of night when all of this happened with his arrest, with Jesus' arrest. A lot of drama had occurred as the disciples witnessed. And not only was he extremely fearful of the unknown, he was most likely completely exhausted. Emotional exhaustion on top of physical exhaustion is all-encompassing if you've ever experienced that. And additionally, Peter had to fear the unknown of what this mob was going to do to Jesus and to himself and his fellow disciples and family members. Peter had friends and family that no doubt he had to be concerned about. He was face to face with an angry mob. And so before you judge him too harshly, consider the fact of how you might handle yourself in the same situation. You too might deny Christ. And perhaps you have denied Christ in a different manner. Maybe you didn't speak up when someone spoke ill of our Lord. Maybe you've kept quiet regarding your faith so as not to offend somebody. Aren't those just like denial? And yeah, especially if your heart is burdened by those burning questions that maybe you have fallen into that category at some time. So it helps to look at Peter from our own human eyes and heart. Then, let's look at the humiliation and anguish of Peter. In Luke twenty-two sixty-one through 62, we read, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And I can imagine the look Peter received from Jesus. 
Jesus didn't look at him with contempt. I believe rather he looked deeply into Peter's heart, feeling his confusion and shame, yet loving him deeply. And we can all relate to this when someone we love disappoints us, but yet we still love them. We can be disappointed, yet still love them deeply. And all of us as parents, we most likely really get that. Then let's end with our little discussion about Peter on the future success of Peter. Well, he led the other disciples to spread the gospel of Jesus. He traveled extensively, helping to establish this new church. And the beauty of this truth is in recognizing the mere humanity, the flaws, and the disappointments of Peter. And Christ still used him in a mighty way. This should be encouraging to each of us as we all step out boldly to proclaim Christ despite our human flaws. Our third section is Jesus being accused, verses 19 through 24 and 28 through 40. So there were two questions posed, one by Annas, who asked Jesus about his disciples and teachings. And Jesus responds by saying, he taught in the synagogue and the temple. He said nothing in secret. He only spoke the truth. Then there were questions by Pilate. And there are actually two trials before Pilate. The first one in verses 28 through 38, and the second one in 1839 through 197. So let's look at the two Pilate trials. Part one, outside of the palace with the accusers. He asked those who brought Jesus in what the charges were, and he tells them to take him themselves and judge him by their own laws. Pilate then questions Jesus directly by asking him if he were the king of Jews. And Jesus responds by saying, is that our own idea or did others talk to you about me? He then says to Jesus, what is it that you have done? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So part two happened inside of the palace alone with Jesus. And Pilate said, you are a king then. And Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate answers Jesus with the famous question, what is truth? There isn't, this really is not a sincere question. Rather, it's mocking as if to say, is there really anything such as real truth? Then the next part happens outside of the palace with the Jews. And Pilate states that he finds no basis for a charge against Jesus. And in Luke 23, 6 through 12, we read where Pilate sends Jesus to Herod. And when Pilate learns Jesus was from Galilee, which is the area King Herod ruled over, he was basically trying to avoid falling to the mob with a decision. So now let's look at Jesus 
who is in front of Herod. And Herod was pleased as he had heard about Jesus and he wanted to see him for himself. He begins to ask Jesus many questions while Jesus simply refuses to answer. It says, Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. They dressed him in an elegant robe, sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. So Jesus's refusal to speak actually speaks volumes. He had said all that he needed to say, and there was nothing left. As earlier in the notes, because of the illegality of these trials, Jesus knew he was being tried wrongfully. Therefore, he did not have to answer. Sadly, we see in the next scene that Herod and the soldiers mock Jesus. They don't stop with the verbal insults. They continue to completely dishonor and humiliate Christ by dressing him in an elegant robe to make fun of his claim to be a king. Pilate and Herod, who were previously enemies, became friends on that day. Isn't it interesting when people align because they agree with them on an issue? So it's a reminder, be careful with whom you are aligning yourself with. Now, let's look at the pilot trial number two. And this will be continued as we study chapter 19. Some of it is in this chapter, but I'm going to save it for when we get into the full-blown story of it in chapter 19. So it's really important to go through and look at exactly what happened. And when you break it down like this, you guys, you can see how legally wronged Jesus was. It's, it's amazing. So I do have some application questions for you. So if you have your journal, get it out and you can stop this and write these questions down as we get to them, because I think it's important to um, think about some of these questions. So the first one is, as you think about Jesus's prayer in the garden and knowing the anguish he experienced, how does this make you feel about him? Number two, what are your thoughts regarding the way Jesus was illegally tried? Three, thinking about Peter and his denial of Christ, search your own heart and ask, is there anything hiding in my own heart that would deny Christ to others? Seek God to help you remove these fears or doubts. Four, have you ever been falsely accused of something? And how did you handle it? Five, have you ever falsely accused someone else? And if so, how will you correct this mistake? And six, as Jesus demonstrated silence at Herod's questions, are there times when you need to remain silent? Well, I can't wait to finish out. We've got 21 chapters in John, so we're getting close to the end. And I hope you'll stay with me. These last few chapters are full of amazing, amazing information. So blessings to you. Have a great week. And I will see you in chapter 19. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode. 